Hey, this is your host, Daxon. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Clueless Drifting. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> that one's definitely going in. <laughs> Hello. Today. Well, today. <laughs> is he going to like read us a book now? I'm trying today. to, and you guys yeah. keep laughing I wanna, at me. I want something like Reading Rainbow, you know? Nah, Fifty Shades of Grey. That's very <laughs> different. Damn, you're into that kind of crap? He's going to read the book for us. Well, I from, wanna, uh, <laughs> from our nice little intro here, you can Welcome tell to that we have a... Today. Levy. Hi. Gordon. Yes. Why, can't he get a, why doesn't he get a silly name? We'll just call him the Don. Who? Who? The Don. Why is he the uh-huh. Don? Because it's Gordon. What else are you going to get from that? The Don. Gore? I'm going to call you him Gordy. You could call him Gordy. You could call him Gordo, which is Spanish for fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. I just call him Gaiden. That's a little. That's rude. Hey, I'm mixing his two names. What are you thinking I'm doing? There is a there is a little kid, a friend of like the brother of a friend of mine in high school who just like struggled with J's, and it sounded like he was saying Gaden, <laughs> <laughs> like just every time. Well, you're now things. the Don, so we're calling <laughs> you the Don. Um, this week we're gonna try to stay on topic mm, and talk about cooling systems. Coolant. Everything and anything, but all your just, oils, yeah. all your all your liquids. How do you keep them cool? Why do you need to keep them cool? I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's Casey's method for his three so, or two. Yeah. <laughs> let me ask this: with you smart people in the room, okay? Where? Where? Yeah, was, that, there's Jinx. air quotes around that. High five. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think <clears throat> an oil cooler is absolutely worth it for drifting? Yeah. Depends on the motor. So I, what? When would you say you need one? Well, when your oil temps are getting too high. Okay. <laughs> I think besides yeah. that, I I don't actually like. I can't be like, oh, this motor, that motor, because I just don't have enough experience okay, yeah. with pushing every individual motor to its limit. But I do think there's like a um, at a certain point where you've like modified it enough to where it's not stock. Um, like where like if you've done force induction or if it's just like you're in a really hot environment or like you're just redline all the time, then I, I, I do think it could be worthwhile to get either an oil temp gauge to see if you need a cooler or just get a so cooler. But I think every single engine can benefit from an oil cooler, but yeah. I do not think you should just throw any oil cooler on there because there are times where colder oil actually can make things worse. What you want is a thermostatically controlled uh, oil cooler, and so they With have like a bypass in it, or something? essentially, yeah. And so it's got a thermostatically controlled bypass. And so what happens is, uh, when your oil is a regular temperature, it does not use the oil cooler at all. But as soon as it's getting hot enough to the point where you need an oil cooler, the passageway opens, and you're cooling down that oil back to more of an operable operable range. And so I think every single vehicle that you're going to beat on should have an oil cooler because it will prolong the life of your engine. I just think that. Just because you can slap on an oil cooler, though, you know, I don't think you necessarily should. I think it's it's probably beneficial still. I don't have the science on that, but I think if you're going to do it, a thermostatically controlled one is the way to go. Unfortunately, every every single oil out there, manufacturer provides like a maximum operating temperature. Yeah. So it's like very it does easy, vary. very very easy to be like, all right, my temperature is is approaching the limit you, of this oil. Then yeah. I'm if you're running cooler. a performance oil, I think you're definitely going to be in a better place. Yeah. But I do think every vehicle that you beat on can benefit from that. So yeah. now something to follow that. 
so when I was building my Miata engine, and I knew I was going to be running turbo, yeah, and I knew down the road that there was a big possibility I'd throw an oil cooler on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something to prepare for that that I think is, is not as widely known is people will slap oil coolers on and then go, oh, no, because their oil pressure drops. You have to get a little bit higher flowing oil, pre- or oil pump. I mean, it, I do think it depends on your cooler and your lines and but stuff. Yeah, I, stuff. I, I still have parasitic loss on the system. You're yeah. still losing pressure you're, because you're, you're adding volume. And you don't want to do the biggest oil cooler you yeah. can. And I think you can be just fine without upgrading your, your oil pump. Is, and a lot of it, too, is line size. You know, like some people would be like, buy this eBay kit. It comes with a Dash 8. That's huge for, yeah, for oil. For oil. Yeah. And, you know, like a Dash 6 is probably more the correct size for most oil coolers, I would say. On something that's not so for somebody not using AN, which I suggest you should, but yeah. for somebody Dash not six using... is basically a three eighths. Okay, so yeah. um, that if if you're not familiar with AN, I'd say get familiar with it. It is a AN lines are quintessential when you're building any sort of custom system, any sort of motorsport vehicle. They they make things so much easier. There's fittings for all sorts that you can do metric, you can do standard, you can make new lines at the track. Yeah, you can yeah. make new lines at the track. Anyone can make the lines. You know. But, you, um, I do think there is also the fact that people don't realize that um, temperature increases pressure. So the fact that you have a lower temperature oil alone will ha- have... Decrease pressure. It, yeah. Um, it, that is a lot less um, large of a drop than uh, like losing oil pressure because there's just so much more volume in the system. Like Those are two different things, but that is one thing to be aware of. It's like, yeah, you're going to be lowering your temperature. There's going to be lower pressure, yeah. period. But... I, I do think, um, yeah, you do need to be aware of that. If you're only losing like a PSI or two, then whatever. Yeah, and, and, and granted, it, and like you said in the beginning, it's based on the motor. Yeah. Some yeah. motors can absolutely handle it. My Miata well, could not. Well, mainly, mainly the the volume of the additional cooler and lines. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, like if, if you get, if you get really, like if you get an OEM type cooler where it's literally just like a hard line that loops back and forth, have you seen those? Yeah. Yeah. Like that is not going to impact nearly any system, no matter what, even your Miata. I I, don't I've think. mainly seen those as power steering coolers. Yes. Yep. That is, that's, that's most definitely that is where you mostly see yeah. those yep. as power steering. But, um, so something like that, even on your Miata, I doubt would really decrease your fuel pressure at yeah. all. Um, fuel so, pressure. Or, sorry, oil pressure. Oil pressure. <laughs> I don't know where that go. came from. Yeah, unless um, you have fuel in your oil, then you got bigger <laughs> issues. <Yeah. laughs> um, but uh, I, I, no, I definitely hear what you're saying. If that is your concern, and up like increasing fuel pressure isn't an, an easy pressure. option. Oil pressure. Why do I keep doing that? Um, I I deal a lot more with varying fuel pressure than I do varying oil pressure. Like usually, oil pressure thing. is just its own thing. But um, sorry. So if you do need to increase your oil pressure, there are some ways to do it on a lot of vehicles. But if that's not an easy option for you or an option at all, I do think a small cooler with small lines is almost always doable without really and the nice part is like oil pressure. they're not that hard if you are not someone who's familiar with like say an lines uh i would get a thermostatically controlled uh oil filter adapter and a lot of times you can get them in the oil filters are usually very common sizes you can buy them for most vehicles and it's just essentially that sandwich plate that goes in yeah. between yeah. the oil filter and they usually you can even get them with barbs if you feel more comfortable with that. I would recommend an AN fitting over barb for oil pressure. But yeah, if you need barbs and like so they're just push on hoses that you clamp on, then cool, that should get the job done too. Yeah, I would rec- I definitely recommend an AN braided line, you know, like uh, over a barb for oil. Well, system. there's a reason that those exist. They are better. Yeah, yeah, they withstand but, higher pressure. But the thing but is, like, you can, can get, get on Amazon nowadays, and you can buy 
AN kits for 20 bucks. I wouldn't suggest those. I'd rather do a bar. I've used them. I've used really? them as well. Yep. I've used them on my first turbo setup on the Miata. They leaked like... <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what, were you, what were you using it on? Like oil return and oil feed. Okay. Yes. You have to make sure you also have the correct pressurated ones. See, I didn't still... feel comfortable building the lines because I couldn't ever get the line to like mash in there properly. Okay. So I had somebody Which... else do it for me. Yeah. yeah, and it they still and there is some technique to it, no doubt. But the thing is, there are so many useful videos out there, and really, you know, when we're building an 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 line, if you're just using regular AN line, I use a cutoff wheel most of the time to cut my line. Yeah. So you, you tape it to keep loose strands tight. Yeah. You but cut yeah, you it. Use a cutoff wheel. You can use a bandsaw. You can bandsaws work awesome. You can too. use you can use a reciprocating saw like a sawzall if you want it. Like it's they're not going to be as pretty, but you can. Yeah. Yeah, sawzall. and there, there's plenty. Milwaukee. I would not use a reciprocating saw. Personally. I prefer shears, but shears are great if you have them. Um, whatever you have, um, you, if you tape it before you cut it, that helps a lot. You peel off the tape, you slip on the the collar or the yeah. the nut, basically. You push it in, uh, push in the fitting. You tighten the nut. It's super easy to do. PTFEs one PTFE ones for high pressure aren't a whole lot harder either. Yeah. yeah. They just have like a little uh, olive, they call it. It's just like a, a little compress, um, compressing piece of metal. That it's goes just, like, it's just like a yeah. compression yeah. fitting. Yeah, it is a compression fitting. Yeah, and, and, so and, and those I, are strong enough for like even power steering pressure. Yeah, well, I've only had issues with the cheaper line, but gotcha. I, I might have just bought a cheap. Well, well I've, like, I've used, so like on my Supra, both all of my, like my oil stuff and all my fuel stuff. My fuel stuff is at like... Like, 45 50 yeah, psi that's like the cheapest kit on amazon and it's, isn't it? it's using cheap amazon what are you looking for dex oh he's making fun of my uh oh we're just gonna your drink <laughs> but yeah it no like my probes. my my fuel system on my supra uses cheap um amazon um an fittings yeah and it's running at like 45 50 psi and it's been that way for the entire time i've owned it and it's i mean I, I think it's doable i yeah. my in my experience it hasn't been the like best. caleb See, said that's probably user error but that's these why do, I like, paid if you want to buy, to do it, if you want to buy that too, wait, someone okay. else, you paid someone to make some AN lines for well, you. Well, just to like press the the oh. fittings onto the end of them and get them all. Because I was having a heck of a time. I'm like, dude, it's got to be me. Like gotcha. it has yeah. to be me. So, so I took it to somebody. Did else. you not know us then or something? No, I didn't. No, you didn't give us a call. No. So here's the deal, though. If you want better <laughs> quality ones, they're not that expensive. So I use yeah. Yeah. I use Racetronics. Red Horse uh, is good too. Red Horse is also great, but I use Racetronics for all of my fittings, mm -hmm. and that's what's all the fuel Who's system. Who's that one that uh, Taylor Ray always uses? He's got like a. Is it Vibrant? No, it's. Some... I want to say Red Horse, but. But there's plenty of online. But like I said, so I use Racetronics because I've personally found that they have the best prices and they have a large selection, and you can buy the hose from them. You can buy the fittings. They have tons of adapter fittings, tons of different style fittings of. You know, bends, 180s, 120s, 60s, 90s. And the hoses you can get in varying lengths. You can get all sorts of uh, adapters, too, to, like, convert stuff yeah. to AN. And, and so yeah. if, if you're, like, you it is not that much. in all sorts of lengths. That's actually how we did his uh, his uh, power steering for yeah. his, his Mustang. We just got an AN adapter and then. We made the lines. Made some AN high-pressure lines. But, yeah. Yeah. With PTFE. And the thing is, like, it's not that much more expensive to buy those even. It really yeah. isn't. But so, the. But, you know, yeah, going back to the, the oil cooler stuff, like, it's not that difficult to do, and it's not that expensive either. You don't need a massive cooler. Yeah. And it's a really, really good way to ensure your motor. Yeah. It is a great way to, yeah, and it, if you want to, you can even help. run a secondary inline filter. You can do all sorts of stuff with, a, with that system. Although, how many, especially drift cars, have you heard of failing because too high of oil temperature? I mean, I think too high of temperature in general can be a problem. Uh, 
I didn't say I couldn't. Yeah. What, no, I said, how many vehicles have you personally experienced I know, that have failed due to high oil pressure? I know a lot pressure? that have failed due to low oil pressure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no oil temperature. But that could also be related yeah, I'm saying, to that. I'm saying, how many vehicles have you experienced that were failed in my because of high temperature? In the my experience? oil was boiling. I haven't. I, I personally but haven't. Yeah, here, here's, the, here, here's what I think about that, though, is most people do not have any clue how hot their oil is. I and would so, agree with that because I don't run. I don't run a gauge. I don't. It, I don't right? either. And so it's well, like so you can many, lose oil pressure because how many rods have been because the oil was no longer doing its job. And that's quite yeah, quite quite a quite a few. Yeah, all of them probably because almost. all of those the all the bearings on rods are all oil. Yeah, from oil floating. an oil film. Yeah, yeah. The, and so the thing is like because your oil is getting hot, it will affect your oil pressure. And so it is definitely you know it may not be the fix all. But I do think it is something that'll you know that's cheap enough to help contribute to engine lifespan. Yeah. And even I if think... it doesn't, yeah, even if it doesn't destroy the motor, it may decrease its life. Next thing you know, your next oil change is a bit more flaky than it was before. Yeah, exactly. I think kind of stepping away for just a second from cooling. Yeah. Another thing with oil that would be a big impact is your baffling in your oil pan. Yeah. Because if you starve oh, totally. it, it, there's it doesn't matter if it's hot, cold. See, I've if heard you of that being motor, an issue yeah. more than oil yeah, temperature. See, exactly. Yeah, so it's so funny that's why I'm, when you brought that up, I'm like, that, yeah, that's that. the first yeah. thing that popped into on, my head on, was the starving. It on wasn't. Mustangs, they recommend on the V6s to run an extra quart of oil just because of the pan design. I haven't had any issues with that myself. But because but, the pan doesn't have a whole lot of baffling to prevent oil from sloshing Didn't you replace your motor because of rod knock? No, I replaced that because I blew out ring lands with no tuning and a supercharger. Yeah. Yeah, no, that one You pulled a Subaru. Yeah. I put a supercharger on with zero tune, so it blew up. Surprise, surprise. Listen to us. We're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> increase pressure, so, increase timing, increase fuel. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So stepping away from from oil coolers. Yeah. Fuel coolers. You think those are necessary? Depends you know, on the platform. Yeah. Like I do think like if you're drifting maybe a, a diesel, there is a good chance that you could be getting pretty high uh, fuel temps. Most factory diesels have, have yeah. fuel coolers. But here's the, I think I think my Mustang could sometimes even benefit from that. Because the the way, you know, and it varies by your your setup, but Basically my exhaust turning sits, it into ethanol. My my yeah. exhaust sits underneath my fuel tank. <laughs> and so especially on hot track days, oh yeah. My fuel I will have a ton of pressure in my gas tank because <laughs> it is getting so hot. You got to release the gas can. I, I do. Yeah. yeah. And yep. it is a lot uh, it's a lot of pressure. And so I do think there are cars I you know, I don't. Yeah, dude, I bet your fuel's like quite hot. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it's totally hot. Like I touched <laughs> Sounds the. Sounds safe, right? Like you, you get steam coming off the gas tank when you water it down. Oh right? yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. and so it, you know, there's uh, there's things that where you where we go out there on the track. As it's soon as he springs a leak, it's like hot enough to <laughs> burn as it enters the. Josh air. Hadlock, dude. if you're listening, call him on tech. <laughs> I bet you. I'm no, not. it's okay because his there's no pressure or heat in it on the beginning of the day. Where I, b- I bet you, I'm not the only one though who has gas tanks that are getting that. Right, especially I mean, right. you know you're out there. It's a especially in the summer days where it's a hundred plus while we're drifting. Your tires are smoking on. Most people's gas tanks are near your tires. Your tires are oh, yeah. hundreds of degrees. Even without your exhaust, exhaust, there it's gonna yeah. get. And hot. most yeah. cars, the exhaust runs somewhat near. Yeah, you know, and then if and you're, that's why you have usually um, heat shields uh, and uh, evap. Yeah. So that way the engine can consume the vaporized gases. Unless you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Kill. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. I said most. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not including myself in you that. You know that little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just for everybody listening, that little charcoal canister that you know when you get the car and you're like, I don't need this. It's just an eyesore, and you throw it. Yeah. That's that's part of that system. Yeah. So. yeah. And so it's like there's a there's a 
you know, I think a lot of cars could use a fuel cooler. I don't know how much of a benefit it would it would yield though, because my cars never once had an issue running with hot fuel. Ever. I mean, what are some and of the so big I, benefits to colder fuel? Denser. Yeah. Does fuel get denser well, when it gets cooler? And every, yeah. everything does. Yeah. Just everything gets closer together. And so I imagine, you, you know, your your cooler. fuel pump's probably pumping fuel more efficiently when it's cold. Your fuel pump's going to be, of course, you're not cooling your fuel tank. Unless you have, a, if you have an inline pump, you may see more results well, from And a, also a return style. Yeah, yeah the return, a return fuel style as well. Cool it does cool too. your tank, yeah. yeah. On someone like me who has no return and an intake fuel pump, I don't know if I would see much benefit, honestly, because it would be post pump. Well, you, your engine and performance would, though. Yeah, but how, like, what's, like, how well, much of a difference would we really be talking well, about? Well, that's, that's the thing, though. Like, know. is um, one, you'll uh, not only will you see, like, um, you'll be able to get more power because the, especially with port injection, you're going to get cooler air temperatures, too. The fuel yeah. will cool the air. Yeah. You'll also get the engine being cooled down by the cooler fuel as it washes down the, the ports and the heads and the pistons. So you'll get better engine temps, you'll get better intake temps, and you'll get better power. So do you think... I just wonder how much. You know, and I think it also depends on how cool your fuel is. If you have a really big fuel cooler, you might actually have quite noticeable changes. So my question is... Let's test it out. Because I completely... I'm on the opposite Especially on your vehicle. I think that would be pretty cool, Caleb. Because I bet your fuel temps are pretty high. I'd I'd believe it. I'm on the opposite end. For drifting... I don't think I've never heard of anybody running a fuel cooler until you get into FD stuff. Well, yeah. there's a lot like of OEMs that have them though that you may not yeah. even know. Yeah, and and that's a very good possibility. But in my head, I don't think that it's that big of a deal for a fuel cooler on a drift car for a grassroots yeah. style. Go have fun with your buddies on the weekend. I don't think that it, like I think a swirl pot or not a swirl pot. What's the that, expansion tank? No, no for surge what? tank. Just like a little oh, surge tank would fuel. be a, a more beneficial. Yeah. For your I mean, of course, car. it depends on your your fuel tank and stuff yeah. too. But yeah, well, I think I I definitely hear what you're saying. Although I do think it's kind of like those time attack guys, where it's like, yeah, dude, I just took out this one little part of my car and it saved me like half a pound. Yeah, you're where starting like, to get down to the nitpicks. Well, 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 no, not quite. Um, I think if you you do that once, not a big difference. But you do that many many times your weight savings are considerable and your lap times are also dropping. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with uh, your engine's life and reliability the is the, do, the more small stuff you do, it all works together to make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. But do I think it's necessary to look into that well, for a grassroots I mean, style car? According to Caleb, it's not even necessary to have a manual. Just kidding. But like I I think there's just like um it depends on like what you're going for. If you do really want life, then do that and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it really just depends on the, the what you feel to, uh, is important. Would you think it would be better for engine life uh, aside from the corrosiveness of E eighty five? Yeah. Do you think that E eighty five or methanol injection would be better for cooling? internal cylinder temperatures than cooled fuel. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's like... Meth injection is a great way to go if you can. And Well, the, like the, the, the Hunicorn didn't run any intercoolers because it ran methanol injection. Methanol and is, it... Have you ever watched... It's just so, super, way like, colder. Like, you yeah, watch, like, uh, Cletus McFarlane's video with, like, Mullet, you know, they or any a lot of their cars nowadays, they run methanol, and it actually, like, visibly will put frost on the intake manifold when it's running. 
because of how cold it is when it's injected in the, in the way it's evaporating. It seems like methanol kind of went away for a little while there. Like, it was a big thing in the early 2000s drag stuff, and then it kind of just disappeared, and now it's starting to, like... Or did you just not be it, in the right circles be. to hear about it? It could be that I just <laughs> wasn't aware of it, but, right, like, right. When, I was go to, when I was going to car stuff and, like, going to, like, meets and everything like that, you just didn't, like, nobody knew what meth was. Yeah. Well, there's like, difference between meth away. and methanol. Meth is different from methanol. Well, I know that. I don't want to lose my teeth, but I would like my car to run cool. Are you talking about like... Because there's meth injection. <laughs> meth injection yes. is different. Yeah. And so the, the cool part is for some meth injection, they're actually using wiper fluid because it has a high concentration of um, whatever... Methanol? Yeah. I don't... Is it methanol that... I You know, I am... Totally I would assume it's methanol. I would assume so as well. Injected. But people are using, you can use wipers. Well, you can also do just water. And people do just people, water. People, yeah, like just water injection. Like you're literally injecting water into your intake. It's very small amounts. You know, you're not going to hide it or anything. But yeah. you're misting it. Yeah. And so people use water. There's meth injection. So <laughs> pressure washer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I think something like that is something that's far more beneficial than what you'll see just by a fuel cooler. Yeah. Of course, the only yeah. thing that sucks about like a, a meth injection system is then you do have to, of course, top that off and maintain that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there is Ethanol that. Ethanol is definitely not like nowhere near as cheap to run as gasoline. Like, yeah. It's, and, and depending you can where go you are, through like, it way faster, and it's more expensive per so, gallon. So, and, yeah. and the corrosion. No, I think. Well, I thought horrible. ethanol was typically actually cheaper. Ethanol. If you go to the gas pump, ethanol is cheaper. But the thing about Utah is we have like no ethanol. That's why I'm saying it's more expensive. Yeah, in Utah. It is more expensive probably to run ethanol. Yeah. If you are in a state where it is more readily available, it is probably a better option here. And you tell I don't me about know. I do think pump. I think yeah. you consume it faster than your you do cons- savings. You do per definitely gallon. consume it. So I'd be curious. No, how I'm that saying works I think it. it's you yeah. consume it faster than your savings yeah. per gallon. I'd be but, curious yeah. to see you know how that equals out. Of course, it depends but, on your power and not, your engines. But, but ethanol is a better fuel all the way around. But not looking right. at it as a fuel consumption. You're looking at it as a life saving motor. Yeah. Like it's saving the life of the motor. Yeah. You're looking at it. Except you can push more power. And so, you know, if you look at it that way, then some people may be actually making it more dangerous by going to get it at a higher power. I thought it was safer to run it on the 85. I mean, you go up to the same power, the same temperature and pressure threshold. Yeah, I I suppose that is true. So it's not like you're pushing it even further. But like ethanol, yeah. If you have a readily available source for ethanol, I think that is a great option. Yeah. Yeah. We have the one pump that is like an hour and a half away from the track. And and then we have one in like Provo or something down. No, here. that that's the that's what I'm talking about. I think that is the only one that I'm aware of. I I swear there's two pumps in Utah. There's one Salt Lake County, one in be. Utah. Oh, did there used to I'm be? I'm pretty sure it used to be two okay. pumps. There's one in Salt Lake I, County. I, I don't. I don't, think I don't run. I don't run E85. I never will. Yeah. You're never gonna be able to talk yeah. me into it. Why? But if it was, I don't like how cor- how long's my car sat. You can you can if easily update your fuel system though to be have fuel lines. Of course, it, yeah. you don't it want does, it to sit. It doesn't matter though, because even people who have done E eighty five rated lines, E eighty five rated stuff, it still deteriorates over time. Yeah. If it sits, if it's not well, flowing, it's, it's, gasoline does it too, but very very slow. I don't think the difference. I think is the benefits. I think you're talking it is. Of. when I, you have the right equipment. I don't think so. I think but, the benefits are definitely better for ethanol if you can. Yeah. As far as you know, I also just because we're in Utah, that's a big reason why you're not going to talk. It is a pain. Where do I go get it? Oh yeah, yeah. I had a friend who had a Subaru, and he ran ethanol, and he'd be weekly. He drove to up here to Provo with um, gas tanks, like a whole bunch of gas cans. Yeah, he'd fill up his car, fill up a whole bunch of gas cans, and he'd be back next week doing the same exact thing. And it's just like that is a 
It's, not it's worth dedication. It. <laughs> it's not worth it to me. So stepping away That's from where you fuel buy cooling. a couple like yeah. fifty-five gallon drums and put it yeah. in the bed of a you truck. You might as well just buy it online. And yeah, have buy it a drum door. Like right. it's yeah. That would be that would be the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But stepping away from that with power steering. Yeah, I see a lot more drift cars using power steering coolers. Yeah, than any other so type of cooler. I have. Do you know what like, pressure they run at? It's ridiculous. It's like ten thousand psi or something. Uh, it depends on the system. Uh, on average, more around a thousand. Oh, okay. 1, so uh, that that's yeah. a bit more average, but obviously that is much higher than your fuel. Oh, that's of course you're not. Of course radiator. you're running them in the return cool. line, though. You're not running them in the. Yeah, in it's the only in the feed side. line from the compressor to the. Um, Wait. The feed from the compressor to the power steering system, the high high pressure feed. Yeah. The yes. return does not have that pressure. That's yes. usually low pressure, yeah. Did you mean the steering rack? You said compressor. Where, power, you mean power the... steering compressor, power steering pump? Yeah. yeah Still compressing the fluid. It's, uh, it's a compressor. Yes. yes, okay. But, yeah, you're it's not a typical term. Compress, yeah, compressor is not the term I, I would have preferred. Yeah. yeah. So, like, like, my Mustang, I have a large cooler on my Mustang because one thing, you know, and it is... A bit of chassis dependent. It's because Ford pumps yeah, suck. The Ford, <laughs> yeah, Ford power steering pumps are known to... I mean, I'm not running... A, I guess technically my, my pump is still Ford. Hey, nobody even likes that noise on the car. We don't need to hear you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I now have a Volvo electric pump, which I'm still... If you, I mean, I know we have to install a controller, but either way... That one, I believe, is made by Bosch, though. Yeah, Even so, though it's technically a FOMO co-part, and yeah. it's made by Bosch. Yeah, but like on the, the Mustangs, a lot of guys run big coolers because it does make a difference in performance because yeah. a lot of guys who don't have them and even i noticed it before i had it it was one of the first things i did um but if you're driving a lot you know you're actuating that power system yeah t- power especially, especially drifting, drifting you're going full lock to lock all the time constantly and so you're heating up that fluid a ton and so a cooler just helps keep the fluid you know more dense it's at a, a cooler temperature which is Better for your rack, better for your pump, yeah. better for the longevity of both. I do think if you are overheating your um, your fluid, the first thing to go is usually your pump, uh, just because that has tolerances a, it uses, and bearings and like it uses a lot more um, force that is lubricated by its fluid that it's compressing or pumping as well. Um, whereas the rack does but use the fun that part is if you take out your stuff, pump but it's not it's not as big of a lubricant in that as it is yeah. in yeah. the pump the fun part is if you take out your pump and then you push all those metal bits through your rack yeah then your rack is also in trouble but and so what, what i've seen you know uh and it's something common you know so my dad on his lexus gx they were known to have some issues with the power steering racks and so you put in an aftermarket cooler and you put an inline filter and you can do the same thing on drift cars. So the nice part is, you know, so is that filter on the return then? Yeah, it's on the return okay. side. Yeah, you I don't. Mean, you, if you if it if you get a filter that can withstand the pressures of the feed, then you can do that too. But it's usually a lot easier to get your hands on cheap filters. Yeah. The nice part about returns return. is they're usually just hose barbs. Yeah, yeah. And just it, just because um, the return is typically a rubber hose. Yeah, where yeah. your feed is that metal. Yeah, that metal. Right. Like, yeah, the, brake line it's a stuff. it's a braided line or something like that sometimes. And so I I definitely With recommend a power steering cooler on a drift car. You know, there's some cars where I'd say it's not as important, yeah. but on drift cars, one of the main systems that you're using constantly, it doesn't matter what power level, what car, is the power you are steering. using your steering constantly. Yeah. See, I, I I have a power steering cooler on my car. Yeah. Even though and you don't, don't have, have power, power steering. Because <laughs> you, you just have a, a power steering rack that's been looped. Yeah. Right? So, no, I didn't loop it. I, I actually went through and I, I, I pulled the... Oh my heck! What the center rod in it? The actual rack. Yeah. yeah. Um, I pulled that rod out and cut the power valve out of it. Gotcha. 
So it's basically a manual rack now, but yeah. I converted it over. Just it's a Miata, right? Yeah. Like, and I actually think that it drives better without power steering than it did with. And there are some cars that maybe that way, but primarily, yeah. I would say. Oh, I was just ninety-five percent <laughs> of the time your car needs power steering in a drift car. Yeah. Like, any anything over that, like two thousand to twenty five hundred, like pounds. and it may and it may even just be steering ratio. Well, too. it could be. I know, like my Supra, I've talked it about it before. It's it's heavy, sure, but the the biggest factor that makes it undriftable without power steering is just the like the gearing with the rack and the pinion. It's just there's not a whole lot of mechanical advantage, and they relied heavily on the power you steering. Could not counter steer. Yeah. At all. But granted, when that was going on, it was not that you just didn't have power steering. It's that your pump was bad and everything was fighting itself. So it made it even worse. A, a little bit, but I've, I've heard of people that delete the power steering and they regret it instantly. It's, okay. it's pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the pump wasn't bad. It's just the, the valve that allows fluid to flow out of it into the rack was closed. Um, so that sure that, that did, well, that would be that over pressurizing. Res- that it, would it? restrict it. But, no. um, the, there's, a lot of passages still on racks that allow fluid to um, okay. to recirculate as well. So it, it it wasn't helping, sure, but those just they they have very little. Because at one point damage. it was looped. We oh. did loop your rack at one point. Yes, yeah, because it was like it's not working. I wonder if it's the pump, so I did loop it, and it didn't make much of a change. Yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah. like I said, it's literally just gearing because it's it's literally opinion and like a gear on a flat gear basically, yeah. and it's just the the ratio is not very helpful yeah. to. And so I, I think a power steering cooler is definitely something that's beneficial to any drift car that has power yeah. steering. Yeah. And if they're you, relatively inexpensive. They're cheap. Oh, they're, I, they're I got one yeah. from No, O'Reilly's. I think that's a, a really good point to bring up is like there's – That is something that's cheap. It's really cheap. And like especially if you're new to like modifying stuff and you're not really it's sure about cooling systems. Yeah, like that's a great way to learn. Make like, sure like here's to a, depressurize the rack before anything. Yeah, I don't think you need to. I'm just messing. Oh. It's like a fuel thing, like when you go oh, to like mess yeah, with your fuel. Yeah. So and I was like, like I've never had to do rack. that. Here's the nice part: when the so car's off and it's not pumping, right, there's no pressure. Right, yeah. Like my, you can just buy buy a transmission cooler. Basically, it's the same thing: transmission power steering cooler. Yeah. That's usually what they label them as a transmission. Literally, cooler. just like a hard line, and you can get the that goes in one direction and turns around and goes. You back. You can get the push ties that go through your radiator or something like that. Yeah. Uh, currently, on my Mustang, my power steering cooler is used with those push through zip tie things through my condenser. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way for a long time. Yep. So just just a quick look at power steering power steering cooler kits. Amazon? So there's Amazon, That's there's also Summit Racing. And how much on Amazon? So Amazon one is $37. No, I bet you can find it cheaper. But I bet you can. I'm trying. <laughs> the the one the aluminum derail Durale. Durale power yeah. steering from Summit Racing. Yeah. It's only forty five bucks, right? Dude, there's coolers and, and on Amazon for so, and, yeah. and that's just the cooler, right? Like, no, no, no that's the kit. Co- includes lines. Check this that out. Includes lines and the mounting tabs yep. and stuff. Yeah. So there's this Hayden yep. kit right here. It's cheap. It's cheap. It's easy. It's yeah, yeah. That's perfect. That's the full and, kit. And the nice part, you might have to get some more hose, but you can go to O'Reilly's or AutoZone, Advance, whoever. Right. And you can get usually usually it's yeah, three. Yeah, because if you're putting it on the return system, you don't need any special fittings. You literally just you need can to pick match these things up from Napa or AutoZone for thirty eight dollars. Right. Twenty-eight bucks on Amazon for a kit. Yeah. Yep. Because, like we said, they're just a they're just a, a barb that you push a hose onto. So with the you take the the pushed on hose on the rack, take it off and put on I your hose. We that's going to go to. Well, no, not, not on the return. <laughs> I'm, sure, I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm joking if, here. If, if I could, if you could, they it's make great. they make AN style uh, like hose clamps that yeah. go on the. If end you of, wanted to of convert hoses, to AN, have you seen that? 
Have you seen that? You 100% could run AN if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like like I said, you just come out of the rack, you just put a hose on there, run it to your cooler, run the other side of the cooler back to the other other end of that hose or to the... You can literally cut your return if you want, put a barb in it, run one side of that hose to your cooler, the other side back to the other part that you cut, put a barb in that, and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we are not responsible for any work you do to your car. Yes, don't come asking, uh, you know, don't come <laughs> to us when you got problems. But power steering coolers are definitely something yeah. I think is beneficial for a drift car. Really good So point. we've covered fuel. Oil. We've covered power steering. We've covered oil. Yep. Now, the, What's left that needs to be cold on an engine? Air. The kicker. No, the the more important yes, one. Yes, I know. No, I actually did. The cool. driver. <laughs> the driver, yeah. Actually, I'm, I would I, agree with that because on a hot track day and you're sitting out there Oh, in the I'm sun, definitely cool in my car. Well, yeah, you got AC. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I don't have AC anymore. Oh, you don't? No, my compressor Suck fried it. a while back and then I haven't done the custom lines with my whole front. Oh. I even made him a custom bracket. To I was thinking like the cool, the cool shirt engine. kits. Those are cool. The cool shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is there like a cooler in the back? That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth it in our drift cars scenario where you I don't know. I think it's worth it in any drift car if you're hot. Nope. It's not the car that gets hot, it's no, you. No, just be hot. Don't worry about it. Just get Jayden over also it. Just, <laughs> Jayden just suffers. Gordon just suffers through things, though. He's no, not a person I look for sympathy for. I did, I did want to touch on coolant, but the one I wanted to end on was man, or like, uh, not air pressure. Or, air, air. air temps. Yeah. yeah. So cooling systems are very vast in science and uh, choices. Like There are so many different factors um yeah. that go into there's formulas even for calculating radiator size you know airflow volume needed um generally with most of our you know most people's regular platforms you don't need all the science out of it when you start getting into swaps things get harder um like we have we've done a few engine swaps like especially my f350 with a cummins i've had to do a few revisions on that trying to but with I most feel like that's very overlooked though because most people will go hey i want a v8 what pairs up to a V8? Oh, I'm just going to get the same. What, a rear same. mount? <laughs> yes. But, but yeah, I do they, think they kind of just, they find, like, the, the radiator that went to that engine and, and put it with that engine. Yeah, and, and they sometimes don't really think about it. It's like, yeah. you can buy an LS, you know, out of a Camaro. You could buy a Camaro radiator. That's the exact same radiator that came with it. You, you could know, pair like, them you up. No, know that's and it, rated for it. Yeah, and you could put them in, and you could still have issues because of the way your cooling system is set up. Yep. And it could even just boil down to like you you installed that radiator and you put it where the factory one goes, but it's too low compared to the engine. And like it's literally it's literally just high. It's too high. It's literally just how high you mounted it, and that was the only problem. Yeah, yeah. That and then of Pressure course if you're not using rate, using yeah. like the original fan and fan shroud and yeah like all if, if other things but, in the yeah, system. Yeah, like is it does it have an expansion? Um, Tank. I, tank, thank you. I can't yeah. think of that word. Does it have an expansion tank? You I know, do think, it... though, like the basics of an engine cooling system are the radiator itself, mm-hmm. the cooling fan and shroud, Yep. the engine, obviously part of it, yep. the heater core. If you have If it. you have one. And, if not, it's very easy. And then um, your, you can have... Um, you can have some of these. You can have all of these. Uh, it just depends on your setup, but a an expansion tank slash... Overflow reservoir slash yeah. swirl pot. In my in my opinion, expansion tank is the best way to go. Yeah. Uh, so an expansion tank is base is literally just um, a container that is also filled with coolant with the rest of the system. It's all tied in. It's usually got and, the radiator cap on it. Yep. So if you have a car that has 
radiator cap that's not on the radiator itself, you probably it's have an expansion, expansion tank. tank. Yeah. Most newer cars have an expansion yep. tank. It's on because them. they're superior. They they <clears throat> they have they're usually about halfway full of of coolant and halfway coolant full volume. of air. Yeah. And it allows the as it, as you would expect the coolant to expand because it's an expansion tank and it it's really helpful for bleeding the coolant system because yep. it's, it's it's basically usually got, a bleeder funnel. Yeah, and so the great yeah. part is like itself. they usually have a a small line coming off the highest part of the radiator or the highest part of the engine or sometimes both that goes into the top of the expansion chamber. And so what that allows is as coolant's kind of filling or flo- you know flowing around through the engine, it can push out the air pockets through those highest portions of the radiator in the engine and go to somewhere where they can be collected rather yeah. than sitting in the top of your engine or the top of your radiator. So it's usually it mounted the highest up. Is it important to have your car running when you bleed the coolant? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Are you sure? You can't really do it without. Yeah, because otherwise know. you don't have the... Unless, <laughs> I think you can unless, just fill it up. Unless if you use what OEM systems do, where they put a vacuum on the coolant system and draw the coolant in using the I vacuum mean, if you don't have system. A, if you oh. don't have a thermostat, you might be able to fill it up pretty dang well to full. But And that's a whole other point of discussion in cooling and is thermostat, thermostats. Yeah. And so I know there are people, uh, a lot of guys, uh, when they have a high-performing car that don't run thermostats, um, because they don't want um, coolant like like temperature changes, like a flash change. Like they could be, they could be getting the engine, you know, hot, and so it's hot on the with the thermostat closed. They've got it all up to temperature, and they're beating on it. The thermostat opens, and they have an influx of cooler coolant coming into the engine, causing changes in uh, the, the the molecular level, essentially of the level of th- how things are expanding, expanding, contracting, which, you know, also the temperature of the engine can affect combustion um, and all sorts of different variables that go along with the engine. So I know a lot of guys who just delete thermostats. I'm not saying you have to. I still run a thermostat in mine. But there are a lot of people, once they start getting to those higher levels, who don't run thermostats, so they're not getting cold shocks to the engine. How much of a difference that really makes, I don't know. But I have heard of people... Doing that, I never and quite understood allow... that. Cause like, if you're, you've got to be in some pretty interesting circumstances for your thermostat to slam open and slam close. They usually always open gradually and close and close and gradually. And I, I do agree. Really I do think get, like cold shocks. I, I do think it. You know, I do think you're right. And even if it's gradual, it's failing, but even if it's gradual, you can still get an influx in that direct area of colder coolant. Which then oh. you have one part of your engine that's a little bit co- colder as it's flowing in. How does that happen? As soon as it's opening, if your system is already under high pressure, it can still squeeze in quickly through oh, that sw- small like opening. When you're first warming it up, sure, but yeah. you can like just, I, you like can just let it idle up to temp that yeah. way if you're really concerned no. about it. And I, I, I don't worry about it myself, but yeah. a thermostat is also something that you want to consider. And sometimes, you know, yeah. deleting it can also be nice for flow. Yeah. So is there is there additives to your coolant that you can do to make it colder? Or is there a specific so, type of co- coolant? So there's like water wetter. Yeah, I'm sure, sure no, you're No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking pure coolant right now. Yeah. And Just, so like not water. They not do anything. have like performance coolants, yeah. Yeah, there are performance coolants that you can buy that are usually somewhat similar to an additive that you would add to your coolant. They basically like water water. have stuff like that. Yeah, which does help but. with the flow of the coolant. And it doesn't necessarily, just because you pour that in, make your coolant colder. It's because that it adds properties to your coolant that allow it to cool better because they're flowing better through your engine. It's, you know, able to exchange heat through your radiator. And I don't know all the science facts of that. I am not, you know, a... You're not a scientist? I'm not an engineer. I don't think you belong on this podcast. What I was going to say, though, is like, I think um, if you, for some reason, have done an engine swap and you're trying to design your own cooling system, I think... uh, 
a good way to approach it is one start with basically fitting as big of a radiator as you can. Like, big radiators never hurt nothing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Unless uh, because you, you can't have light you, it. because you have a thermostat that's going to regulate your temperature even if it's cooling really well. And of course, what, what I'll get to your your radiator fan should also be um, turning on based on temperature as well. But yeah. Um, so start with as big as of a, a radiator as you can fit. Like there's no like the better the the cooling, the more. Um, room for error you'll and, have and, and then, really quick can i add a point to, yeah. to the better the cooling um is that affects everything if your engine can maintain temperature your oil is not going to get as hot your fuel is not going to get as hot you're going to have better combustion you're going to have better longevity of engine because it's not expanding and contracting right. your radiator will last longer because it's you know, not getting too like, hot yeah. like casey's cylinder heads that were fully were cracked all over the place i guarantee you know it's because it was it got to 240 because it was a ford it got to, you it, know, it and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not calling Take it. that back as I hit no, my head with the microphone. Unfortunately, I'm kind of calling, you know, I'm putting Casey on the spot here, but, you know, the, the deal is. But he his, knows, like, the radio that was put in there. It, it got up to, like, it, 240, he, he like, every like time it. he went out. I swear. like, yeah. or, And so that's yeah, just prolonged use of everything. Like, honestly, better. like, it's a testament to that motor for lasting that long. Oh, yeah, dude, that thing went for a long time. But either way, I just wanted to throw that in that it is cooling, especially the coolant system affects everything. Yeah. So when you're throwing, when we were discussing oil coolers, and and I brought up parasitic loss. Yeah. If you take, let, let's just use this as an example, in an inline four cylinder, so a small engine. You put that in like a square body, and then a stupid massive radiator yeah. in it. And is, are you going to have a parasitic loss with the cooling system if you don't upgrade to like a bigger finned uh, water pump or like an electric water that pump? Is, that or... is possible, but the the biggest thing so. is, uh, no, it it will, but so. Coolant is uh, does its job via flow, not via pressure. And so, if you do get a, a loss in pressure, that's just because you do have a larger volume. But even still, the 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 water pump is still going to move your fluid. So if you're, it, it's always going to be pushing the same amount. Yeah. No so here's the cool what. part: if you're yeah. worried about a parasitic loss, if you have a engine that has an external water pump, you can even do it with ones that have internal, like a time go water pump. But if you have one that has an external water pump, there are now great solutions that you can buy for aftermarket electric water pumps. Yeah, that's he mentioned well, that just barely. Yeah, yeah. And especially on on your big block or sorry, your small blocks, your Fords, your Chevy stuff oh, like yeah. that. They have it's it takes in the, place of, right. in the belt yeah. system, and you just. Plop yeah, it you on can there. bolt on, and, the, and then you can ones. get bigger motors for them. You can right. have them well. Flow you can a even more. do inline ones if you don't want it on the engine. Like you can get block off plates, and you can literally mount that. Or you can you put can it get... in conjunction with the mechanical one. And yeah. so, the, and the great part is, you can even do a thermostatically controlled electric water pump, which is kind of a cool idea. And so then you don't even need. You've been saying thermostatically controlled it's, a lot this episode, and it's driving me nuts. It's because we're talking about temperature based <laughs> items. No, nah, it's because it's a new word of the day for it. It I is. I, I just it. learned it. So. So, but um. You can have that control where you don't even technically need a thermostat anymore yeah. because your water pump is now dictated by temperature. And so that is all in all your thermostat, your water pump, you know, and, and your water pump. And so it kind of removes some of your system yeah. that you, I mean, it's not a big deal that you're, you're moving, you know, getting rid of this tiny little thermostat. You know, I have not encountered or even like heard of someone encountering um, lack of coolant flow. Um, unless there's like a clog or yeah, like I've never once heard of that. Yeah, there, there's something else blocking right. it. There's, there's a there's something else. Going yeah, on. yeah. And, so, and the biggest thing is, um, it, so they are pressurized. That's why you have a radiator cap um, to uh, That's maintain actually something pressure. I was say when 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's due to temperature alone. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, yeah. It's the pressure created from. And like, I think a lot of people just go, it's like, oh, you can slap a higher pressure cap on. And while that does increase some benefits because you're increasing the boiling point of coolant by adding a higher pressure cap, which can help with your cooling system, I think people sometimes. Not a fix all. It is not a fix all. Yeah. And some people were like, oh, it keeps, you know, boiling over. And so they slap on a higher pressure cap. And while that may be a band aid, it is not the solution. Yeah. So. In running water, like we do in drifting. Yeah. We do that uh, here at the Utah Motorsports Campus because we're not allowed to run coolant. Uh, and which I think is that's pretty common to a lot of standard. other tracks. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah um, we run water. I run it with a water additive. But, yeah, for, but. for people who aren't experienced with that, we, we, we replace our coolant with just water. There's yeah. no – it's not dilute, coolant diluted with water. It's but just water. But we do have, like, water wetter. Yep. They, they allow additives. That, yep, they allow additives. Mm-hmm. I just hiccuped and burped. <laughs> but they're no, nowhere near as corrosive or um, – uh, environmentally unfriendly as coolant. Yeah, because there's people, you know, but you wreck, you have spills, things with that, blow up. Would you guys, have you guys ever noticed a big difference in running hose water versus distilled water? I've always ran hose water in my drift car. I have not. The biggest, you know why they recommend you run distilled? Because it, it has less minerals and yeah. stuff yeah. to break down. The and so it, I don't think you will it, notice it, a cooling difference between the two, but... You will if you have run hose water for long enough that you're getting, uh, you're getting corrosion. Yeah. Like so, you're starting like if you have any sort of uh, iron-based metals in your block. So if it's not aluminum block or aluminum head, those will start to rust from the water and m- any other minerals just b- collecting around. So, in there. so each season, I flush mine out. Yeah, yeah, and you'll see you'll see a little bit of rust in there. But the the main thing is like you will have worse engine performance. With the more corrosion that's on there, because rust is not very good at transferring temperature. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and w- the only reason I bring that up is because in my old motor in the car, yeah, it, I didn't know what the story was on that motor, how long it's lived, whatever. The uh, it had a lot of buildup and deposits in it. Yeah. And I went to put distilled water in it, swapping it from like regular water. Yeah. And I noticed a big difference in it, so I was like, "Oh, distilled water is the best. Like this has to be like way, way, way better." And then yeah. I tore the motor down, like. Ooh, was it still rusty? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. no, in, in the new motor, it, like with the, the distilled water? Yeah. I, I've i only run distilled because of the fact that it's not as corrosive. Right. And I've heard that it, it, it has a higher boiling temperature. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, it handles it a little bit better. Yeah. I, as far as how much that does, I'm not too sure, but I just run distilled because I don't want my Which is not a bad thing. Distilled is really cheap. <laughs> And yeah. so, like, if, if, you have the, if you don't mind doing it, I'd say do it. You know, yeah. personally, I don't really care and so i just run those water and that's i just because you run a motor that you but can I buy also, at a vacuum shop well i also run i also run an additive which does kind of help combat yeah. some of that and though. we we do um especially with like more recent mods we've done to his vehicle we've had to replace the cooling fluid pretty often yeah. <laughs> and so it's much cheaper to just open up a hose than it's so much easier than it is yeah water yeah um but I- even if that is a concern of yours they make good um like rust converter like cooling system flushers that like if you do I've if heard you that do those can cause clogs um i've never usually the only reason they cause clogs is because they break free enough stuff to oh, clog. Okay. yeah that would make sense. so that's why i said if you do it consistently enough you'll keep corrosion down because they, they not only does it flush it but it also helps like coat so, the inside of your cooling system yeah. with not it doesn't coat it but it helps like convert any, any, uh, well, it's like yeah. the rust repair for a gas tank for motorcycles. Exactly. You, yeah. you dump that stuff in there, you swish it around, it helps break that stuff down. You do a couple wash cycles, yeah. do it again. See, any anytime I'm changing over to water, I, f- I flush it until it's clear and then yeah. I fill it. And then that's, I, I think that's a great way to, you know, if you're worried about it, is that's going to wash out all the crud that's really going to be in there. 
Yeah. And if you add in additives to that, Plus you're really... you'll probably either crash the car or break the motor before you get to the point where it's rusting out. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Casey. Yeah. But what, his the inside of his motor cracked. was rusting out. Well, that's from cracked. that's, that's not from, from broke. <laughs> so you know, one thing. But with, maybe he had deposits. It rusted out in there. That is possible. Even though no. Yeah, I would recommend <laughs> if the car is going to sit, add coolant. Yeah. yeah. Or some sort of additive. At some least. sort of yeah. additive. At least can get if it's not going to track for a good while, yeah. throw the coolant in there. Get an additive. Yeah. Flush it through the system. Get it everywhere because it, yeah. you know, you don't really want it to sit in there. But um, you know, you know one the next thing I think you would do after putting a radiator in though is then work on your uh, your radiator fan. That's what I was just going to touch on. That's um, something that one thing just I want to talk about that I have. I still have cars that don't have them. That is very important. That is overlooked. You don't part. have radiator fans. It's a shroud. Oh, there are lots of people who get kits electric to fans. put electric fans on that are just the fan, and they're just zip tied on. Don't there buy with Amazon no, fans either. With no fan shroud. There was actually a company that I bought off Amazon. Yeah. It was three years ago. Yeah. When I bought my fans off there, and they said that they matched up to certain CFMs and all this stuff of like the actual like nice fans. Yeah. So I went ahead and got it because it was quarter of the cost. Yeah. Those are the fans I'm still running. So, and nice. they actually, like, I can't find them anymore. They're that same brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're off Amazon. So here's the, there's, there's, really when we were, so we went to SEMA and we kind of talked to some guys from Spall. And so here's something that's often overlooked with fans. I can hop on Amazon, buy a $30 fan that's rated for 2000 CFM. I can go to Summit, buy a $150 fan that's rated for 2000 CFM. And there is still, like, at, at a, at a free flowing air volume, they both mo- may flow that CFM. But the big difference is when you put a restriction behind them. And Jaden's prob- or Gordon's probably a little uh, better at discussing this because he's done a little bit more research. But let him kind of tell you why there's more than just CFM in a, in a fan rating. Yeah, so um, as a lot of people may be aware, like if, if you've ever used um, a drill or an impact, the, the hotter the gun gets, the more rest- restriction, restriction that you put on it, the, the faster the battery dies. The battery runs out way quicker, and it's the exact same thing with your electric motors. Even though you have um, an alternator and a big battery that's going to supply it power all the time, it's not going to die. I mean, unless, of course, those die, but um, something's going to give, and that high draw on the fan decreases how well it flows. Um, so, like, if you had an infinite uh, supply on your uh, your drill, like if you had a corded drill, you would end up eventually frying the motor the the, yeah, the drill itself he also really negatively affects electric right motors. And, and so of course they take all that into consideration when they're designing radiator fans but uh what they do in that uh that sort of situation is the the fan doesn't perform as well just yeah. as you'd expect with a drill it just when it's loaded up and yeah. building up heat it won't perform as and well so it, depending on the restriction depending on the the temperature of the motor and how much power you're giving it yeah. it will have a different performance at that same like, rpm as it had um, when there was no yeah, restriction. And so the cool part is like Spall actually has graphs that you can look at where they also have pressures. And so it's like if you have a restrictive radiator, if you have a condenser, an intercooler, a power steering cooler, and they're all inside this one single tight stack, yeah. you're going to be needing a lot more pressure to draw air through that cooling stack. Yeah. And so these higher quality fans are also built and rated to maintain yeah. 2,000 CFM with a higher pressure rate. 2,000 CFM is their low point. 
that's what they're rating it for. Not always. No. Uh, I, it, I'm talking about like the nicer, like the good oh, fans. Like I don't yeah. know. I actually believe that's their peak. Like the most that they can produce with oh. the well, least well, amount of res- no, like oh. like the just the most CFM they can get yeah. the fan to do no matter what, and no matter the condition. So part of the issue is the standard for electric fans has become CFM. And so everyone just looks for the highest CFM, but sometimes that it, is which not gives always. You, which gives you a rough idea. That's like it's like looking at, I mean, if you know turbos, like it's like looking at a turbo and being like, okay, that turbo can is, make 45 PSI boost. Yeah, well, or, or even just like looking at the, the flange for the exhaust, like, okay, yeah. that's a T3. I can probably run at least this much horsepower through it. Whereas if you're looking at like, uh, what is it, the, some of the bigger sizes? They have T6, T4, don't T6s they? even. Yeah. yeah, so it's like obviously a T6, you can expect it's going to get much more airflow much yeah. more theoretically make more power yeah. you're not going to know when it's going to make it how like how much pressure it's going to make like there's so little information from that but it gives you a rough idea yeah and that's so, what cfm and is. i i just think that with like cheaper fans when you have a higher pressure volume that is needed they are not going to be up to the task as well as some of the better quality fans like they're not going to be pulling air nearly as well like they're like if you're looking at it on the graph the higher the pressure the faster they drop off in volume compared to some of the higher quality. It's yeah. not to say they don't work. Unlike your Miata, where you have like nothing else on there, but the radiator pretty much, right? I have an intercooler. <laughs> yeah, is it touching the radiator? Uh, I mean, it's in front of it, but it has a it has like probably a two-inch gap in it. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like things like that where it, it, if, you're, if you don't have a whole lot and you don't have a big engine to cool, stuff like that will work. What are you yeah. talking about? My 1.6 is massive. <laughs> <laughs> and And so I do think generally... It is worth it to spend the money on a cooling system. Yeah. Because a good cooling system is going to prolong the life of literally everything like we discussed. You know, as far as CFM goes, though, like you can, like if you're buying a name brand that's that's known to perform well and you're buying and and you're able to buy a fan that has a higher CFM rating than than stock by a considerable margin, you're almost certainly going to have a a fan that's going to perform well enough to cool the system. Yeah. better or at least as good as the original one did. Yeah. But if you if you don't know like how the other one performed, then like you're really just kind of shooting in the dark and it sometimes you're restricted by space. So you you you've got to look at like okay, my radiator is this big. I've got this much room between the radiator and the engine. Then like you really are restricted and so it's like Again, honestly the the highest flowing fan you can get is yeah. the best you can do. And and yeah. seriously, Buy a shroud. But yeah, the mo- more important thing, honestly, in my opinion, is is the shroud. Not by a whole lot. Like I, they're both quite important, but I do think a shroud will make a, a, a vastly larger change than yeah, essentially, a change in fan size. A shroud helps utilize every single inch of that radiator because effectively, you know, if and I, not waste the energy from yeah, the, the fan. Yeah. So if I have a 16-inch fan sitting just by itself on the middle of a radiator, you know, it That's is effectively like four feet wide by. Two and a half feet tall. That's a big radiator. I know that uh, it's to make but a point. to but then you are effectively if you get a temperature, you're only gun, cooling that 16 inch radius. A, pretty pretty yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're literally only cooling that 16 inch radius. You're not utilizing your radiator. If you got a, a you know a temperature gun, something um, where you can see a thermal gun where you can see it, you will only see a cold spot on the circle of where that fan is. And granted, when you're moving and and drifting, it doesn't yes. work because you're going sideways. But if you're driving forward at normal, op- like normal operation, yeah. you're still getting air that pushes through it, but it's not, it, well, it doesn't do you, have that pressure that cooling behind it. Do you know how um, most uh, cooling fans operate in an OEM application? 
I, I'm not super. A lot of them turn it. off at freeway speeds, at even uh, city oh, driving uh, speeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so because like, there's so much airflow through it, it's yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. And so that's why it's important on a drift car, like you're saying, because you're going sideways. You're not getting as much airflow through that radiator as you as you would be if you were. So for every square inch you can get out of it. Yeah, and that's so why that shroud. That's if you a, have that shroud, you're you are going that you know that one spot isn't going to be as cold as it was, but you're going to be pulling air through all of the yeah. surface area of the radiator through your fan. So let's say just just for just for kicking around, you know, if if you're limited in your engine bay yeah. on what size of fan you can run. Yeah. Now, let's say you can do a stock CFM, mm-hmm. so matching stock CFM with a shroud versus just a big, thick fan that's going to run double what the stock CFM is, which would you prefer? Shroud. You know, it, it depends. Um, at least for me, I think, uh, like, it depends on, like, the quality of the radiator, if it's like a, a nice high performance three core alum, like fully aluminum, then you'll get very different performance than a single a single pass um uh plastic and tank stock so let's radiator. Say, and so like that there's I think there's a, too many factors. Well you were saying with a big radiator sure. in both scenarios, right? Yeah. So I'm saying like just just a factor. Let's use my car. It's yeah. got a big thick two row aluminum like Mich- Mishimoto aluminum radiator. Radiator. Yeah. It, it, if I'm limited on space, yeah, which is best for me to go with a stock CFM with a shroud, or just a a big fan? So, Defi- what do you mean by big fan? High high flowing CFM. So, fan. so, so here's the deal the stock that CFM. I I can't, and I I'm guilty of it as well. But most people, I don't know what it is. They seem to think that just because you know it's like they can throw on a part and do better than OEM. But there's a reason OEM manufacturers spend hundreds of hours designing each particular system of this vehicle. That fan is designed to flow optimally with the body cladding, with the radiator size, with the space space that you have assigned. And more often than not, most OEM fans are capable of flowing, you know, enough air that you will never have an issue and with. And again, them. that's where like CFM isn't enough because you could you could have a fan that's rated to double the CFM as your stock one but and if it's, it's not still, pulling well it, it, but even then like it could still just not perform as well at the the pressures that it's going to see in your specific application the resistance from the 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 other side of the radiator and what's behind yeah. it the engine and so, so give on. me a clear answer here like, there oh, is no clear answer yeah, on is... my car on your car? On my car, would you, would it be better? I don't have enough experience with your car, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, you do. We've sat in that thing for hours. <laughs> I don't have enough experience with your car and its cooling. Oh system. yeah, honestly, my cooling system, it like I don't have. Yeah, I, I have two it? radiator fans. They're pretty big. I got two twelve inch. And there's fans no on shroud it. on that, right? They're there's just, no shroud. Yeah. yeah, but I've also done the coolant reroute for it, so it flows a little bit better. And and I I don't like anymore. I don't. I'd really be very hot. curious to see. I can't tell you either because I don't have enough experience with your car. But I'd be very curious to see how they'd compare to each other in a side-by-side test because yeah. there is a reason OEM manufacturers are in business and Joe Schmo is not. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, it does depend. Um, those uh, The stock fan in that could have just been such old tech that it really didn't perform very well, but it didn't need to because it was a four-cylinder. And yeah. it could also, you know, and it's also, like some of these cars, you know, the fan is 20 years old. The fan is 30 years old. Yeah. It's, it's worn out. Yeah, yeah. Even just a a new a replacement OEM one would would improve it. Right? You know, there's a there's also a it's reason like where the standard's so low, it's easy to improve anything. That I have yeah. seen a lot of these fans on swaps. Like a lot of people use Ford Contour. 
I, that's the big thing is people go to junkyards and pull those old because Ford fans they because flow. they're massive. Yeah, they flow well, a massive amount of air. And, and they're they not always massive. They're just like their shroud is... is it's a, it's so, a car It's a car radiator. It's not that big. Of wh- a whenever I say massive, I mean in its potential of cooling power. Oh, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. keep screwing that not up. Not physical. Like, Size-wise, yeah. they are not Size-wise, yeah. I mean, they are, they are larger than like some low-profile aftermarket yeah, fans. Totally. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But they're like... They're, they are, but their cooling potential is massive. Right. They yeah. have a lot more they, potential in them. They've been designed you know, yeah. very well for... And the best part is you will never get a better cooling fan, I feel like, than what something OEM has designed. Because these men, you know, these people who are selling aftermarket cooling fans are not, spending, them? are not spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars designing a cooling system. Yeah. That no, allows them to point. manufacture this high-quality electric fan that can be sold at such a cheap price. I don't know. Yeah. I do think that uh, there's two sides of that coin because it could be designed so well to work in the OEM application that it doesn't work well anywhere else without all the same... And, and that's right. Su- and there's that. But, uh, airflow but I'm just so saying on. that you will get better quality fans from OEM manufacturers almost every single time. All right. All right. You can still buy the same brand well, fan that's a universal Well, no. The nice part is what I'm saying is that OEMs spend the tons of money designing these fans that usually that technology then trickles down to the aftermarket but you're getting, you know, the best quality from OEMs because they have spent all the money all the time to mass produce a high quality item for a cheaper value. If that makes I mean, sense. Usually they saying. outsource for like making. But fans. because they are mass mass producing them, they're at a you can get a better quality fan at a cheaper value. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, you're saying like buying a used one from a junkyard is going to be more cost effective than a new one. No. I'm saying the the technology of the going design. from aftermarket to an OEM one. OEM ones are just designed better. I like I said, there's two sides of that coin. They're, they yeah. could be designed better for its application for and app. never work anywhere else. You're right. I don't think so that I is a very. I don't think that is dry. a. I don't think that is a very true point. I don't think that is something that's a common issue. You so can I don't go. Think what you're saying is. Like, I have pulled after. True I have, enough all yeah, the time. I get what either, you're saying. Yeah. I've pulled electric fans from random cars and junkyards and used them before and. It doesn't ever, as long as it's got a shroud that you can seal well to your radiator, it doesn't really matter. Is there ones that are more optimal? I'm sure there are, but I've, I've done that before and cut and fit until they, like I had an LS400 that the mechanical fan blew up. So I literally went to the junkyard and found one that was about the right size, pulled it and adapted it to make it work. And it was perfect. Worked better. And it had less parasitic drag. So So. with, we've pretty much beat the cooling system yes. death on this one. No, we haven't. There's still more. We haven't well, even yeah. talked about swirl pots. I mean, and, um, swirl pots are awesome. Yeah, not to mention heater systems. Those, yeah. those so can swirl, actually be helpful yeah. too. But. A swirl pot is kind of like an expansion tank in a way, I feel like, because yeah, no, you can often is. replace it. But the nice part with the way that swirl pots are designed is that they uh, are literally designed to create like a whirlpool effect inside this little chamber that de-aerates because it, since it's literally, you know, flowing it, like into a, I guess, like I said, a whirlpool, a whirlpool mm-hmm. style flow that is allowing the air to escape from that up into this expansion chamber. So yeah. it's just like he said, de aerate systems is very well. You were saying we beat this to death already. Didn't talk about only that. because I, I know, but I was saying there's other stuff we could only, talk. About. I, we could yeah. go for a long, long time on yeah. just because there is a lot of math. There's a lot of things to put together. Cooling systems are complex. Sometimes yeah, you can just slap them together. Sometimes you will get it right. Sometimes yeah. you'll sit there and screw with it until it becomes right, and then you're like, all right, this is the and combination. Sometimes you just screw with it till you can't figure it out and you give up. And so that's where I think uh, just do your research. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. 
for most the only cars, reason I want to push this along is because I want to touch on yeah screw air, air, air to air yeah just real suck. quick on I mean, OEM stuff on OEM cooling stuff really quick if you have an OEM engine there are usually good quality radiators that have already been designed for your car that you can put the stock fan and fan trout on and run it and you will be just fine yeah, yeah. so for for the I feel Sorry that a lot of this has been very technical, and so maybe a little boring. I like telling. I'm not that's, apologetic. That so yeah, and so I, I uh, yeah, I'm, I know we're, we are not professionals at this, but for most at what all of this for most of the cars like the though. Podcast or talking about? Or the are stuff you we're saying we're not about. professional about our podcasting? No, we're professional about our podcasting. I'm not I a professional cooling designer. Oh, gotcha. System designer. That's so awesome. I would you know take it all with a grain of salt. What um, do you mean? I went to GM Tech School for 50 years. Yeah, the, I know exactly um, what's going on with that. <laughs> Anyways, in the cooling department only. <laughs> Is that why you got hired? Points made. <laughs> points made. Intercooler stuff. Go. What do you want to? Well, uh, something I don't understand, and you guys might be able to know a little bit better. An intercooler, air to air, so mm-hmm. your standard front mount intercooler that everybody runs. Yeah. That I have seen, like actual heat temperature guns put on them yeah. on on the hot side to the cold side, and I've seen like if you huh? fit it right. And get the right one for your flow. Sorry. Um, if you get the right one for your flow, it's incredible what they can do. Mm-hmm. Going from 200 plus temperature to yeah. down to 100 like, degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something that blows me away, though, is the air to water ones where they run off the coolant. Because if I'm not mistaken, and I might be way off here, I know that they're kind of two separate systems, but they're still being cooled. Yeah. I just don't see it getting that cold. Like coolant would, ones are usually not as good. They're consistent. They're very consistent. Yeah. yeah. But it's it, you're not you're never seeing sub hundred temperatures. No, and that's why they're usually used for consistency. And again, it's okay. OEM application. It's not motor. So I'm not far off on that then, because no. I've always thought that an air to air is better. No. Than, no. You uh, a dedicated air to water like an like aftermarket separate one? system. That can that can be just could, as good, if not better. You can put an ice. You can put ice in the tank. Well, yeah, grant. Uh, yeah, you can always do the ice one, yeah. but I, like, and you will never get a colder air temp. They even have ones where people have designed them to run off of the refrigerant, refrigerant of an AC, like an AC system, basically, and you can get some dang cold temps with that. Yeah, but uh, generally, air air to air is easiest, and it does yield great results. And then, of course, you know, by cooling the air, you're getting a denser air, which means a better, you know, which is more oxygen, yeah. you know, in that air. So well, that's, that's the entire idea yeah, behind it. Is to yeah, get in that case, in case you don't know, yeah, that's the whole idea with an intercooler is to cool the air to make it more dense, to get more oxygen for better combustion. Yeah. No, I saw this, or I was reading this article on this, uh, this drag car that had, um, it was either two turbos or three turbos. I want to say it was three turbos, and they were running three intercoolers. Because they found, like, instead of trying to intercool all of the hot air after all the turbos, it was way more efficient to do turbo intercooler, turbo intercooler, turbo intercooler. <laughs> and it was it was incredible to see how, like, um, because I had set it up before, it was just a single intercooler after all the turbos. So that way their piping was shorter and so on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the temps were outrageously high, dude. They were, I, I can't remember the numbers, but they were insanely air comes out, high. The air that comes out of turbos is hot. Well, I mean, yeah. it's going, it's getting compressed in a housing that's directly attached to the exhaust. So yeah, I mean, and then it makes just sense. compression alone creates heat. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense that it gets that hot, but it was insane seeing like, um, 
go into a turbo and come out, and then it's like 200, 250 degrees in the intercooler, and then it's back down to like 80 degrees. And then yeah. same thing all over again, even though they're compressing the crap out of this air. But going through all that, it was really nice and quick to keep it cool and get it into the engine. It yeah. was impressive, but... There's there's a lot of, you know, with intercooling, I think a lot of people don't put much thought into it. It's kind of like they just slap an intercooler on and go. I've always been surprised, what are though, you talking by... about? Those Honda guys know exactly what they're doing. They slap <laughs> it twice the size freaking intercooler they need on there just for style points. Radiator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a point where it's like some cars do not, if you have a factory turbo car, there are times where you do not need a bigger intercooler. Like, and it, and it, for which situations? Well, there's some, like, so with, like, with the Volkswagens, say, for instance, so I have my, my TDI wagon that's built. There are guys who will have the tiny stock turbo and throw in a front mount intercooler. And while they are getting cooler air, they're actually decreasing a lot of their performance because they have to fill so much more volume with this tiny turbo that they're... Uh, oh, yeah. But I, I, I think, like, all of this conversation was kind of based on the pretext that, like, it's not, um, you're not over, like... You're, you're sizing you're, things properly. Yeah. What's going to be better yeah. in, in, in the end result? Or, or yeah. is it really, do you really want to push for an air to water intercooler or is air to air going to be sufficient? Because, like, it, in the case with your Volkswagen, yeah. if you design it to where you're not getting too big of a pressure drop, yeah. it will still benefit from yeah, the intercooler. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I put the front mount on there because of that. Right. Um, but, like, there are some cars that also benefit way more from different setups. You know, for instance, my, my MR2s. Uh, my MR2, they come with an air-to-air that sits in the side by the vent, and they are awful because that engine bay is in the back, and it heat soaks a ton. The radiator's in the front of the car, and it always stays cool. They, they, they like, never have issues with coolant temperature, even when they're totally built. But because as the, long as they're bled. Yeah, as long as they're bled properly. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember a very specific MR2 that was <laughs> steaming a lot. Well, that's because of other issues. <laughs> that one, I think, has block issues. I, I, I think the block but or head one. But either In a drift either setting. In a drift is, setting, and because you're not getting a lot of air to it, is it good to put a fan on your intercooler? Do, would you? Is it better to run a fan? Air to water? A fan always helps on your intercooler. Like it's never not gonna hurt. Um, and then as far as you know, like I would guess a watered air would be more efficient in a drift setup, just due to the way that the air flows through your bumper and through the car. I I I think by having a separate water tank, you know, farther away from the source of heat that you can probably get cooler, more consistent air temperatures through that rather than an air-to-air that sits on the front bumper near the hot ground um, without getting what optimal airflow. I mean, you, you usually put the uh, heat trans- or the heat sink in the front still. Yeah, but I th- you know, you're putting the air-to-water air, intercooler part. It, heat exchangers. The right? heat exchanger on the engine directly still, but I think that you can still achieve. I, I, would, I would, I'm just totally speculating. In in my rough experience, I think you could probably achieve more consistent, cooler temperatures with a air to water. That's what I want to do in my Mustang is air to water because also plumbing is so much more simple, especially in that in my Mustang because I can literally go off the Pro Charger on the drive system straight into through the, the intercooler right into the intake. Yeah, I don't have to have any plumbing that's going around. It's less stuff in my bash bar area. It's less stuff that's at risk of being hit. It's less couplers you know that can tear. It's less couplers that can blow off. And so to me, there's also a lot of benefits to going to a air to water. Yeah. Not necessarily saying those are affecting your cooling. Yeah. But it is also nice because with an air to water, a lot of the time you can't set it up closer from the boost source to your intake, which means you also have less volume that you're filling, which means more instant throttle response, you know, less lag. So we didn't even get to trans coolers. 
Oh yeah. Nobody runs Transcooler. You don't need one of those. It's basically the same thing as like an oil cooler because it is an oil cooler. Yeah. It's Unless you're running ATF. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, then overall, it's an ATF cooler. Just to just to kind of wrap things up because we're at, we're at the end of our, our coolers are here. good. Any type, your major one you want to focus on is obviously your coolant. That is going to be your yeah. heart stream for all. That all helps keep That's how everything you keep else your cool. Yeah. Running. And Even now, just if, idling. Yeah. Throw in a temperature gauge. Check your oil. See how it looks. Really honestly. My temp gauge is an Get boost. Install an intercooler. <laughs> Always go boost. Do Always a radiator delete. It's fine. Yeah, you don't need a radiator. <laughs> hey, drag cars don't run them. They also blow their engine <laughs> all, up at the end of that quarter mile. They're also usually running for about, you know, five seconds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but overall, if we've helped you, awesome. If you've just heard multiple stuff that you've already heard before <laughs> and we just rambled on, I'm sorry. Yeah. And Surprise, I, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If no you made it at the kidding. end of this and you're thinking that, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We yeah. appreciate it. And, you know, like I said, I'd say, you know, take everything we say with a grain of salt. We're not professionals in these fields. These are just our personal experiences. Yeah. yeah. And if uh, there's something we missed that you thought we should talk about, let us know. Yeah. Absolutely. We're at? At clueless underscore drifting. Yeah. On Instagram. On Instagram. Send us a message. And even if you just want to get a hold of us, just chat. I'm usually the one that answers, so. Yeah, and then he can forward from there to us. Yeah, so if he says something <laughs> stupid, don't associate it with me. Yeah, don't associate with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's, it's all Dax. of us. We all have access no, to it. No, it's Dax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, like I said, you know, review. Reviews yep. are super helpful, you know. Reviews. We really appreciate Subscribe, that. Subscribe, follow. Send us some love and stickers. Stickers, stickers. We have yeah, cool stickers. stickers. Get some get slaps. Some stickers. We should get some more slaps for like drift cars. We totally should. We have slaps. Stuff. We should get some. They, they call like, them slaps. It's like stickers. A, it's like a uh, rectangular, rectangular sticker. It's like usually sticker. about that. It's big. just a sticker. I just it's call them a, a bumper sticker. They call them slaps. So mm-hmm. no, I don't. Well, nobody's talking about you, do they? <laughs> All Other right, than then. that, we love you. Have a great day. Thanks, Goodbye. guys. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.